Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Pray first. And I just have to get something off my chest. Is that okay? I have a daughter-in-law. Now, now your response is supposed to be, well, Dwayne, you don't look old enough to have a daughter-in-law. <laughs> or, or not. Just sit there silently. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for being here today. I really feel like today's going to speak to your heart because it's spoken to mine already. And um, so we're going to jump right into week three of Pray First. And we've read this passage of Scripture every week. And I hope by the time this series is over, this particular passage of scripture is just embedded in your heart uh, because I really believe that this is the distinction between Christianity and every other religion on the planet and it's this Jeremiah 33 3 says call to me and I will answer you call to me and I'll answer you how many know that there's no other God that's alive enough to answer you Only Jehovah God, through His Son Jesus, call to me and I'll answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Father, we love you and and God, thank you so much. This has already been an awesome day. Uh, God, watching young people uh, go public with their faith, uh, a time of worship uh, where we could just adore you and thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And God, now would you just open your word to our hearts? Would you teach us to pray? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Just for a quick review, week one, we talked about the principles of prayer. And we said that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Hallelujah, you're listening. We said, what happens when we pray? Heaven hears us and God intervenes. Aren't you glad that God intervenes on our behalf? Now, he doesn't always intervene the way you want him to, right? That doesn't mean he does what you want him to, because how many of you would, got in, would have gotten in trouble if God did everything you asked him to? Yeah, me too. <clears throat> we said we pray first, we pray early, we pray often. That was week one. Week two, we talked about the power of prayer. And I'm just going to tell you, I, I told you guys to, uh, we talked about it in our small group last week, about what, what kind of jumped out at, at, at you about the message last week. And this was mine, was that powerful prayer is a result of faith and the God of the outcome, not the outcome, the God of the outcome. How many know that God does things sometimes in a way that you might not agree with? You might not, uh, he, he may do something that catches you completely off guard, but how many know you can't catch him off guard? The God of the outcome. And we said powerful prayer is a result of a consecrated heart. Um, so today we're going to talk about the purpose of prayer. And I find it interesting because, first of all, I believe everybody prays. At some point or another, I believe everybody prays. Someone said that there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. So I, I, I feel like everybody's going to pray. Uh, but I, I have these conversations from time to time with people when I talk about the goodness of God and I'll talk about uh, a surrendered life to Christ and I'll hear something like this. Well, I prayed for 
fill in the blank, and God didn't do anything. And my response is, really? Are you sure? See, I believe that prayer to Jehovah God through His Son Jesus is the most powerful force in the universe. And I believe that those that know Christ, that call on their Father's name, not just a Father, not just our Father, but my Father in the name of Jesus gets heaven's attention. We talked about that. And and here's the problem. Um, Many of us, we pray when our backs are against the wall. Many of us pray when our back's against the wall. So I want to talk about today the purpose of prayer. Why should we bother? Now, that, that's, it almost sounds ridiculous to even say that because that's almost saying, why would you bother to breathe? Why would you bother to eat on a semi-regular basis? Uh, first thing you need to know is this is not a comprehensive list. I'm going to give you five purposes of prayer today. And this is by far not a comprehensive list. There's many other purposes for prayer, but we're going to concentrate on five today because I got some place to be at 305. <laughs> Hashtag rise. You are my people. First purpose of prayer. One word. How many of you have found strength in prayer? strength someone came up to me not too long ago and they said Dwayne and they were talking about this this particular season that they were going through that was a little challenging you've been there going through a little bit of a challenging time and he said uh, I had my septic tank moment I, I, I went uh, oh, gonna need a little more context and he said don't you remember when you were preaching a little while ago and you were talking about how things were kind of stacking up against you and you had to go dig in your septic tank to clear a drain and you almost lost it in the shower afterwards? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. He goes, well, I have my septic tank moment. How many of you had a septic tank moment? That time when you're like, okay, one more straw, one more thing, one more whatever, and, you know, one more call from my kid's teacher one more whatever, and I'm going to lose it. Anybody been there? I've learned that um, sometimes, how many would say you just, you're just one septic tank away from just throwing in the towel? <laughs> and I'm, I'm so nervous about going here next because I, the last time I talked about the way women respond to things, I, I, I used a a Hallmark movie illustration, and you people haven't forgiven me for that yet. It's, I'm still hearing it. <clears throat> I'm a little sick of it, actually. But, but I, I've learned that men and women deal with those septic tank moments a little, a little differently. I think men typically deal with it one of three ways. Sometimes we just shut down. Like, I don't want to talk to you, don't talk to me. Don't, now, now, women don't point, but you've seen that, haven't you? You know, it's been an awful day at work. They walk in the door. You want to talk, and they're like, give me a minute. We shut down sometimes. The other response is, and I think this is a typically male response, is we're going to fix it because that's what we do. We fix it or break it worse. 
But we're going to try to fix it, aren't we? And then maybe we pray. Thank you. Shut down, fix it. Okay, well, I broke it worse, so now maybe I'll pray. Maybe prayer should be our first. See, I'm going to tell you that. And guys, don't get mad at me for giving away our secrets. But sometimes we're not as strong as we want you to think we are. And sometimes we're just one septic tank away from. Now, women, (laughs) help me, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Women are much more unpredictable. Is that fair? Nod, please. So I know I'm not in too bad. That's true. So, (laughs) so I'm just going to tell you how my wife may do it. When my wife is one septic tank away, first thing she's going to do is vent. And I usually get the opportunity to be the vent. And listen to me, that's okay. How many ever, everybody needs a vent from time to time? You know, something going wrong at school, and, and I usually, it usually goes something like this. Baby, how was your day? It was a day. And, and so what that means in Donna's language is ask another question. And then I finally get to the point where, and, and, and just shut up and let her vent. How many need to do that from time to time? Which is a great response. Um, and then sometimes, if it's really bad, guess what happens? She's going to cry. But I'm going to tell you what I've learned about, not just my wife, but I, I don't know why, but it seems that women seem to be more sensitive to spiritual matters than guys are sometimes. Because here's what will happen. Sometimes I'll never hear about it. She'll just pray. And what I'm going to tell you is, in those moments when you need strength, in those moments when you're just one event, one bad report, one something else, one septic tank away from feeling like you are done with with, with your strength, Did I just hear my own voice? (laughs) You're going to have to give me a minute. That was was odd. This one septic tank away, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Before you vent, before you cry, before you shut down, before you try to fix it, pray. Pray for strength. Here's what Scripture says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work where? Within us. His power available to us. Isn't that good news? So am I reading that correctly and understanding that I don't always have to lean on my own strength? on my own power, that because my life has been redeemed by Christ, I have access to a power far greater than my own? His name is Jesus. I tweeted this this past week. It says, prayer affords the believer the opportunity to access the strength of God, even in our moments of weakness. Listen, that's good news. That even in your times when you you feel like you're one whatever away when we the bible says we can boldly approach god's throne and when we call on his name 
We can lean on His strength. When you're completely out. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. Now, let me give you a little backstory. Paul, and we don't really know what it was, but Paul had a thorn in his side. Now, some people think it was a physical ailment. Some people think it was a, a, a blindness. Some people think that he had um, some, it, there are even some commentators that think he had a lust issue because he was never married. And so he has this thorn in his side. In other words, and he, Paul said it like this, there's this agent of Satan that's come to buffet me. That's what he called this thorn in his side. And we don't really know what it was. And can I tell you, I'm glad that we don't. Because your thorn may look different than my thorn. You with me? The thing that, that drains your strength may be different than that thing that drains my strength. And so Paul asked God to take it away. And you know what God said? Paul asked God to take it away. You know what God said? No. And this is where we pick up the scripture I want you to read with me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So, you know what I read in that? The, The less I make of me and the more I make of Jesus, the more access I have to his strength and his power in my time of weakness. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, because of all that, I'm strong. Isn't that good news? So just so I know I'm, I'm talking to you. How many of you ever feel like in your relationships, you have to be the strong one? You know, I, I look at my relationship with my wife. And oftentimes I feel like I need to be the rock. When in reality, in my home, she's really the rock of our house. But, I've, but my male ego, come on somebody, I got to be the strong one. With my kids, I feel like I need to be the strong one. With you guys, I feel like I need to be the strong one. How many of you understand that your relationship with Christ is exactly the opposite? I don't, I don't have to be the strong one. Man, I can lean on the great strength and the great power and the awesomeness of Christ. And he will be my strength. But, I, look, look at me in the eyes. You've got to have a relationship with him. You've got to talk to him. You've got to spend time with him. You've got to walk in the light. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. So strength, everybody say strength. Second purpose, direction. Anybody ever been lost? Now, I'm not talking about on your way to a restaurant. I'm talking about I'm in a season of my life where I absolutely do not know where my next step's going to be. Anybody ever been there? That's a great feeling, isn't it? Isn't that awesome to feel like, okay, uh, my, my brother, who is 60, just got off the air. He's in radio. Um, they, they walked into his office after he got off the air and said, your position's been eliminated. Been with his company like 16 years. And so I talked to him yesterday at the wedding, and he's like, you know, for the first time in my life, when something like this happens, I'm not worried. I really feel like God's got a plan. I really feel like, and I was, it did me so, it, it, it did me good to, to hear him say those words. But I'm going to tell you, when, when those times when you're uh, of uncertainty hit us, don't, don't you wish there was a way 
you could access some wisdom that would tell you what your next step might need to be? Here we go. I will instruct you, Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Man, isn't that awesome? So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you rely on your GPS too much? My kids make fun of me because it doesn't matter where we're going. I'll turn my GPS on. For those of you on Facebook Live, that was my wife. <laughs> I just, I like it because it tells me what time I'm going to get there. Is that, is that so crazy? Please tell me I'm not the only one that turns your GPS on all the time. There's three of us. <laughs> hey, I want to read you this passage. My, my wife's favorite passage of scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight now this is a very very cliched analogy but how how many know that that gps has limitations and in many ways if we want direction from god some of those same limitations hold true in our own life in other words uh, that gps will never work if you don't turn it on That GPS isn't going to tell you to go anywhere if you don't bother to open the app, turn it on, do whatever you got to do to access that information. So I'm going to tell you if I was mean last week, so I'm going to try not to be as mean this week. If you need direction from God and you're not talking to him and you're not opening your Bible, that's really not how it works. God spent 1,500 years, 40 different men and women to put this book together because it's a roadmap for your life. And if you want direction, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to tell you to, first of all, pray and ask for it and then open your Bible. So GPS doesn't work if you don't use it. GPS doesn't work if you ignore its instructions. If it tells you to go right and you go left, mine starts fussing. <laughs> Can I tell you something kind of funny? When I first got my first GPS, I downloaded a voice. It was George W. Bush. And so every time, every time, every time it would tell you where to go, it would be in his voice. And you get where you go, and it would say, you have reached your destification. It was hilarious. <laughs> I love W. But can I tell you, the, the one I use now, if you ignore its instructions too long, you know what it's going to do? It's going to go silent. So I'm going to tell you, If you receive an instruction from the Lord through his word, through his spirit, and ignore it, don't wonder why you wind up in the wrong place. Does that make sense? If you don't use it, if you ignore the instructions, if it doesn't work, if you're unclear on your destination, if you're like, hey, Siri, I want to go eat. What's she going to do? Where, idiot, would you like to go eat? And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I believe you need to be very specific in, how, in, in, in your request to God. I believe you need to 
God, I, I need to know where you want me to go to work. I need to know where you want me, who you want me to marry. I need to know where you want me to go to school. I need to know what my next step is going to be. And ask God very specifically where you need to go. And, and here's some good news for you. How many of you would say that you have at one point or time in your life ignored the instructions of the Lord? Just me. Okay, that's what I thought. You know the cool thing about GPS? If you ignore its instruction, it's going to give you a new route. So you've got a plan from the Lord. God's got a plan for your life. And, and I've heard people say, well, Dwayne, he might have had a plan for my life, but I blew it. Listen to me. God, your mistake, your failure, your sin isn't that big. Your, your failure is not so big that it ruins the plan of God for your life. Now, he may have to take you a longer route to get there. Come on. But how many know he'll get you there? If you'll stop ignoring his instructions and listen to it, he'll get you a brand new route. That's good news, right? So he gives us strength. He gives us direction. And thirdly, prayer will find communion. I love this passage of Scripture, and I love the way the New Living Translation reads this. Revelation chapter 3 says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Now think about that just a minute. Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you'll open that door, we'll share a meal. We'll have communion together. Prayer gives birth to intimacy. I I tweeted this this morning. You know, I saw it. Prayer gives birth to intimacy with the Father, friendship with the Son, and understanding from the Holy Spirit. Don and I are going to celebrate in just a couple weeks our 31st anniversary, which I think is cool and I'm so excited. But let me tell you something. That doesn't happen if you don't have times of communion. We don't have an intimate relationship if we don't spend time together. And I'm going to tell you, you're not really going to understand what God wants from you, what God wants for you, what Christ wants to do in you if you're not spending times of communion with him. And we call that prayer. So I'm going to give you three very specific ways in your prayer life to help foster this feeling of community. Maybe feeling's not the word, but you, you get what I'm saying. This, this atmosphere of communion. First of all, I'm going to tell you to be honest. Anybody ever tried to hide something from God? How'd that work out for you? Scripture tells us that he is both before us and behind us. Scripture says he knows your end from its beginning. There ain't nothing you can hide from the Lord. That, that stuff that you can hide from me, and you can hide from your spouse, you can hide from your kids, you can hide from your parents. That stuff you can hide from, you can't hide it from the Lord. So here's, here's the beauty of that. You might as well spill it. Be open. Be honest. He's your father. He loves you. And, and listen, there, if, if, you, if you're going to put that wall of... Now I, we, we do it this way. When we come into church and we got stuff going on in our life that we're struggling with, and somebody says, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Don't do that with God. You know, it, if it's not good, say it's not good. Listen, if you've got doubts, he's, he's big enough to handle that. The prayer was, I believe, 
Help my unbelief. Find a way to be completely open and honest with God. And can I tell you, there's nothing in your prayer life that will ever be as liberating as just spilling it. Well, well, he'll judge me if he, he knows. And he's your father. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to, he wants to spend that time with you. So be honest. Second thing is be inclusive. I love this passage. Uh, we, for some reason, we've read this passage of Scripture about 12 times in the last three months. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Whatever's going on in your life. Those of you that are parents, how do you like it when your kids, if they're 3 or 23, say, Dad, Mom, I need. And won't you do anything you can do? Won't you do everything you can do to, to try to help them in their time of need? Well, See, I believe the small stuff, the big stuff, we need to cast our cares on the Lord. That's what uh, 1 Peter 5 and 7 says. Give all your cares, all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Spill it. Share it all. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever whatever you're hurting about, talk to the Lord. Be inclusive. Be honest. And lastly, be quiet. Well, Dwayne, God doesn't speak to me. Well, you probably don't shut up long enough to listen. (laughs) Jesus said these words, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, I, 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 I said this either Wednesday night. I don't remember when I said it. Maybe it was last Sunday morning, but I believe this. When I when I talk to the Lord, when I pray, I genuinely believe that he has much more to say to me than I have to say to him. And so I'm, the, the problem with that is we don't have a quiet place. If, if your world's a little hectic, let me see your hand. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Find a quiet place. Find a place. I'll tell you what, if you want to hear about this, Read Kelly Johnson's blog from last week. Find it. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. You need a quiet place. You need a time. And she wrote it specifically to women. But I'm going to tell you, guys, you need a quiet place too. And Maybe it's the front seat of your car. Turn the phone off. Turn the radio off. And just be quiet. Be quiet long enough to hear the voice of the Lord. There's a beautiful story in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm not going to read it to you. You can read it when you get home. Um, it, it's Elijah saw a miracle of God on Mount Carmel. <laughs> he, he was alone against 900 false prophets, and God did a miracle. And then he got scared. Started running from his life. How, how many, aren't we just like that? God does something huge. You know, how many of God ever paid a bill for you? Just look, so I know. And then the next time you didn't have enough money to pay a bill, you freaked out. Because that's what we do, right? Well, that's exactly what Elijah did. And, and he saw this huge miracle from God where he d- just literally just shut the mouth of 900 prophets and found out that Jezebel was chasing him, and so he started running from one woman. There's a sermon there. <laughs> Step away. And he goes and hides out in a cave. And God said, I want to talk to you. And Elijah said, and the fire came. I didn't find God in the fire. And the wind came. And I didn't find God in the wind. 
But I heard a gentle whisper. Can I tell you, you got to be quiet to hear a whisper. I'm going to tell you to find a quiet place to have communion with the Lord. You ought to do it every day. You know, I'll never forget, you know, when I, when I talk like this and say things like this, I know that there are people that go, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, I don't know how to pray for an extended period of time. And, and listen, I'm not telling you you got to pray for an hour. I'm telling you to find a quiet place and, and just talk to the Lord and listen to the Lord. Maybe it's five minutes. I don't know. But I'll tell you, you'll be surprised. The first time we first planted our church, we had a, an hour prayer service where we didn't do anything on, on a particular Sunday night. We just come and we turned on a CD and we just prayed. And I remember someone saying, I, I don't think I can pray for an hour. And after it was all over with, they said, is that already gone? Because if you'll, if you'll do these other things, if you'll be honest and not try to be so holy and just talk to the Lord like you're talking to your best friend because he ought to be. And you'll be inclusive and tell him about every part of your life. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. How many know God cares about the little stuff? And, and just take time to be quiet. Number four. Um, healing. James chapter 5 says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Let, let me tell you what that, what that term sick literally means. It, can mean. it doesn't necessarily mean you got the flu, you got a disease. It, it, it can mean a couple of different things. It can mean if you're weary. Come unto me, all ye that weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It can mean if you're incomplete, something's missing. See, I I believe that God's not just concerned with our body, even though he is. And how many could could testify to a miraculous healing in your or somebody you love's family? Yeah, yeah. I believe he does that. But if you keep reading that passage, here's what he says. He said, the Lord will raise them up. Or if you read it another way, you can say it would cause them to rise up. <sighs> I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> will cause them to ra- will, will, the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. So in other words. How many know that, that just reading that passage of Scripture, we're not just talking about our bodies. He's this, in fact, I believe God's more concerned with your soul than he is with your body. So I believe that, that if you need healing in your mind, you need healing in your body, you need healing in your soul, you're faint, you're weary, you're incomplete. Here's what I believe, that we ought to go to God. Now, I'm not, I'm not one of these guys that are going to say, well, you need you need to just pray and don't go to a doctor. I believe God uses doctors. I believe God uses medicine. I believe God uses surgery. I believe in that. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm old enough now to ask God to do something but not get crazy about how he does it. And then lastly, 
I want to, maybe the greatest purpose of prayer. We'll call it cleansing. First John 1 and 7 says, and we, we talked about this this past Wednesday night, but if we are living in the light, you know what, and, and again, you guys know me, and I'm not a real legalistic, you know, kind of guy, but there's a very powerful word. There's a very powerful two-letter word there. If. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. That word fellowship, we've talked about this before. We're not, fellowship don't mean fried chicken. That means we have something in common. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. See, here's what I believe happens. See, 1 John 1 and 9, just a couple verses down, says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us. Most translations read, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I told you about this last week, but I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time on it, so I'm going to take just a couple minutes. See, I really believe that prayer involves three separate, if you want to look, like, look at it like an upside-down triangle, three very separate components. I believe all of our prayers should start with praise. Because here's what will happen. When you begin to praise God in your prayers, you're reminded of who God is. And that's important. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. So in our prayer, we praise, right? You with me? And then there's petition. God, I'm asking for. See, praise reminds us of who God is. Petition reminds us of what God can do. We used to sing, my God can do anything. Do you believe that? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't answer like you're in Sunday school. Do you believe that? God can do anything. So, then why don't we ask Him to? So praise reminds us of who God is. Petition reminds us of what God can do. And here's the kicker. When we, when we combine those things, ultimately it will always Bring us to confession because confession reminds us of who we are. There's this cool story. You ought to go home and read it. It's the first part of the book of Isaiah. And you get this picture of Isaiah standing in the presence of God. And Isaiah says these words, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And his train, the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah has this incredible Isaiah experience where he saw the Lord. And the first thing that happened was he said, God cleanse me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among an unclean people. See, you spend time in the presence of the Lord and you're going you're to see God for who he is. And then you're going to see you for who you are. And sometimes that's not a pretty picture, is it? But here's the good news. 
when it brings us to confession, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? So, how do you get good at prayer? Practice. How do you get good at anything? Well, I don't think you should practice. Yes, you should. I'm going to tell you to practice prayer on these five. How many, how many did I give you? One, two, three, four, five. I'm, I'm going to tell you to practice prayer when you feel weak, when you need strength. Practice, and what's the name of this sermon series? Prayer first. I'm going to challenge you to practice prayer first when you feel weak. When you're in that septic tank moment. That's an awful, awful way to say that, but it just makes sense. Practice prayer when you feel weak. Practice prayer when you feel lost. Can I tell you, I don't know that if I ask God for anything more than I ask Him for direction. Not just for our church for my life, for my family. God, I want to know my next step. Now, I'm going to tell you something. and I wasn't going to share this, but I, I, I feel like this will help. Um, I, I, think it's the, I think it's the 119th Psalm. God says, My word is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. A lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Actually, David said it like this. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about this just for a minute. Aren't you glad that the light is down low so we can see our steps one at a time? And not, aren't you glad that he didn't say, I'll give you a light that's going to beam out for three years. See, you, now, now listen, you may walk through some stuff in the next three years that if you saw it today, it freak you out. Even good stuff. The stuff that God's got destined and planned for you. So I'm not asking him to show me eight years down the road. God, would you just show me my next, my path, my step, my footstep. Just show me my next step. When you feel lost, that's a great prayer, by the way. God, just, just show me my next step. Show me my next step. Practice prayer when you feel weak, when you feel lost, when God seems distant. You ever had those moments when you're trying to pray and you're just like, nobody's hearing this. Practice. Do it again. And then if, it, if he still feels distant, you know what you're going to do? Because it, now, now listen, you know how I am. We, don't, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what we know to be true, not what we want to feel. But I'm just going to tell you, if, if, if God doesn't speak to your heart, he's a liar. Because we have a promise that he will. Now, it may take patience. It may take time. It may take an, uh, uh, sometimes an extended period of time. I, I've told you this before. There's, in your Old Testament, the last chapter of the book is Malachi. The first chapter is Matthew. 400 years between Malachi and Matthew where God said nothing. But then what happened? Jesus showed up in a manger. And that, that might be word for somebody. That on the other end of this silent, God seems distant. There might be a miracle on the other end of, your, of God's silence. That might be a word for somebody.
Practice prayer when you feel weak, when you feel lost, when God seems distant. Practice prayer when you're sick in your mind, in your soul, in your body. And practice prayer when you're in a dark place. Practice prayer. Well, maybe you're walking in, a, in, in an area, you're walking in a way that you shouldn't walk, and you know it, and he knows it, and you need cleansing. Donna, come and play softly. We're going we're gonna to pray together. Hey, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to know who I'm praying for this morning. <clears throat> I want to remind you that's not a comprehensive list. But I really feel like that the Lord laid these five things on my heart because there were going to be people here that needed to touch the Lord for one of these five things. So just so I know who I'm praying for, nobody looking around. If, if you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I need strength. Just wave your hand at me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor, when I need direction, just wave your hand at me. Man, a lot of hands. Pastor Dwayne, I need a closer walk with Jesus. Pastor Dwayne, I, I need healing in my mind, in my body, or in my soul. Amen. Pastor Dwayne, I need the cleansing power of Jesus. To cleanse me today. Raise your hand, son. Praise the Lord. Hey, just here's what I feel like would be in order right now. Just for a minute, let's just be quiet. Because here's what I believe. I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to talk to somebody this morning. Maybe you're here and and, and you raise your hand. I I need something from the Lord. Before we ask anything, let's just let's just get quiet and listen. Father, in Jesus' name, God, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that you're a God that opens yourself to your people and invites us into your presence, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. 
So God, that's what we do this morning. God, there are those of us in this room that need strength. There are those that need direction and we need a closer walk with you. We need healing in our mind, our body, our soul. God, there's those of us in this room that need cleansing. And God, I, I recognize that the only way that we can find that cleansing is to do just what your word says, to confess our sins, to believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and, and that, God, you sent him to purchase for us forgiveness. So God, cleanse us through the power of the blood of Jesus today. Thank you for the cleansing flow of God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that brings healing to our mind, our soul, and our body. That brings, that causes to raise us up when we are weak and incomplete. And God, thank you. You're giving somebody direction today. And God, I just believe that in this place, maybe this week, somebody's had that septic tank moment. When it just seemed to be more than they could humanly carry. And they walked into this building today weak. And God, I, I wish I could say the right words to cause strength to rise in their hearts. But I know that when we understand our weakness, we can lean on God. We can lean on the power of Christ. Because when we're weak, He's strong. Thank you for bringing strength to someone.